Would you pray with me? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. May each of us have faith today to open our heart and ask for a fresh anointing of God's Spirit in our lives. That we would have eyes that see and ears that hear and hearts that are soft to your word, O Lord, to the call that you have upon our lives that we must grow in our faith. We must never settle. We must constantly grow in our faith, Lord, that we might be more like Jesus day by day. And to that end, I pray that you would pour upon me the gift of preaching, that my very frail and broken and human words might, but the power of your Holy Spirit, become your living word, uniquely crafted for each and every one of our hearts. We pray it with great confidence, for we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Long time no see on Allie McBeal, right? But I was reading about an episode of Allie McBeal where she meets an eight-year-old patient at a hospital who's had a really tragic life. His father has died. He has leukemia. The insurance company will not uh, approve an experimental treatment for him. And so he asks Allie, if I wanted to sue somebody, could you help me? Allie answers, well, who'd you have in mind? God. I want to sue God. Have you ever wanted to sue God? If you've ever felt angry at God, or maybe even today you feel angry at God, you are not alone. Most people feel angry at God at one time or another. Bonnie Zoll gives some great examples of what might cause us to want to take God to court. She says, people feel angry at God for all sorts of reasons. The untimely death of a child, the destruction of one's home because of natural disasters, the loss of one's job and dignity in being able to provide for family, a fracturing marriage that can't seem to be fixed, physical and emotional exhaustion from years of infertility, the destructive effects of addiction on a child. Now, whether your reason is listed here or not, we all know that tragedy and pain and grief are part and parcel of earthly life. Just like that eight-year-old, when we experience something so calamitous, it can trigger a crisis of belief. Is God real? Does God really love and care for me? Does he love the world and watch over it? What are we tempted to do when we feel that way? Airplane mode is a feature that, when activated, completely isolates the phone from all outside influences. While in very limited circumstances this can be helpful, the end result is the phone loses its very lifeline that puts the smart in smartphone, right? When your phone's in airplane mode, it's not a brick, but it's close. It's, it's sort of semi-dead, right? If you have something downloaded on it, you can use it. But it's lost the very lifeline, right, that makes it so smart. In my experience, that is similar to what we do when we've had it with God. It's like engaging spiritual airplane mode. As we cut God off and we walk away in anger and in disgust, 
we end up being completely isolated from the very thing that gives us life. But we will learn today that even when we do that, even when we walk away, that God is faithful. God is faithful. Jan Kelly, and I'm going to invite her up today, has had numerous seasons in her life when most anyone would agree she had reason to feel anger and frustration at God. But today, and I'm so thankful, Jan has generously agreed to share a recent incident that caused her to feel that way and where the whole story has led her. Come on up, Jan. Thank you. Good morning. I'm here this morning because I was asked to share about a recent experience. And even though I'm a lifelong Christian and I'm well grounded in my faith, I recently experienced a crisis in my faith walk. So a little background information, a little sidebar here. I was raised as in a very active and faithful Christian family. We walked the walk. I was baptized as an infant. I was confirmed as a 12-year-old. I cannot recall a time that I was, did not believe in Jesus and in God. I was never without him. I have been a lifelong seeker. I have been a Bible teacher. I have led a conference at Mo Ranch. I have been an intercessory prayer. I was an ordained deacon when we had deacons. I was an elder. I still am an elder. <laughs> You're never not an elder. <clears throat> and a trustee in the Presbyterian Church. I've read the Bible cover to cover, thanks to Doug Harper's encouragement, many, many times. And so at the risk of sounding like Paul, a Pharisee of Pharisees, I was a Presbyterian-flavored Christian among Christians. And yet, I faced the dark night of my own soul just recently, and it lasted about six months. On February 3rd, my spiritual mentor and dear sister of the faith, Pat Clark, died. And I did not know that Forrest was going to be here, so I'm a little bit unnerved. More background. I have faced losses and pain before. My father died when I was in my mid-40s of early-onset Alzheimer's. That's a devastating disease and hard to watch. My beloved fiancé, Jim Keene, died of a sudden heart attack, and I was the one that found him on the kitchen floor. A hard loss. And that actually was six years ago last Saturday, just down the street. I've lost my grandparents, uncles, aunts, cousins, and many close friends. Friends that were here in this church, Margaret, Teresa, and friends at work. So I have had losses. I've gone through a painful divorce, and I've parted ways from my business, from my company, which is corporate speak for we no longer want your services here. So I I I have gone through these losses, and I have never felt abandoned by God. But man, losing Pat was a sucker punch to me. I'm not sure whether it was because I felt like we had prayed her through her miraculous remission of cancer uh, diagnosis a few years before, or it was because I just knew God had another miracle waiting for her. The last time I saw her was December 22nd after she had led an Advent lesson, and I took her to her favorite place, Jim Good Taqueria, and we shared about her upcoming trip to Greece. She flew to Greece to go on a cruise line, but before the cruise left, she was diagnosed with COVID and then quarantined. During her quarantine, she would text me, and she called uh, a couple of times. She actually watched uh, my daughter's wedding live stream. Thank you. 
James, uh, and, and she gave me her impressions of that. I was absolutely confident that she would get through her quarantine and get home, but she didn't get better. And I was so invested in her, in her return from Athens that getting her home was the miracle. And I and many others, and literally many others, prayed day and night. I wrote scriptures. I posted on Facebook. I participated in community prayer sessions. I encouraged her daily. I asked all the prayer warriors that I know, and I know a lot, to pray for her. And we did. And yet, and yet... Despite knowing that Jesus is the Rapha healer and that Pat had more work on earth and I have all of the scriptures that I would write and say, you know, if you believe, you will receive what you ask for. If you, you know, I had, I had, if you, if you had faith, you could move mountains. I had all of that that I prayed fervently. And yet, despite all of this, she died. She wasn't finished with her spiritual mentorship with me, so I knew she needed to live, but she died. And that was the beginning of my separation from God. I was angry at all things COVID. I was angry at Athens. I was angry at the hotel. I was angry at the airport. I was angry at the CDC. I was angry at Dr. Fauci. I was angry at doctors. I was angry at nurses. I was angry at hospitals. I was angry at rules. I was angry at restrictions. I was angry at quarantine. I was angry. Mostly, I was mad at God. And why? Why didn't he heal? Why didn't he do this? The psalmist spoke to me, and primarily it was the 88th psalm. It says, your terrors have paralyzed me. They swirl around me like floodwaters all day long. They have engulfed me completely. You have taken away my companions and my loved ones. Darkness is my closest friend. And I wonder if Simon, Paul Simon of Simon and Garfunkel had that in mind when he wrote, Hello Darkness, My Old Friend. I would go through the motions. I attended church, but I felt no connection to God. During Lent, I led a, uh, my, I'm in a Zoom group, and one of, and my time to lead during Lent was um, the session on wrestling with God. See, God has such a sense of humor. My key lesson that I had to teach was that we have to enter the boxing ring and face God eye to eye and embrace your pain to get through it. And my scripture lessons, that that lesson was Lamentations 2, which is my eyes fail from weeping and I'm in torment within and my heart is poured out on the ground. And Job 3, for my sign comes instead of my bread and my groanings are poured out like water for the thing that I fear comes upon me. And what I dread befalls me, and I'm not at ease, and I'm not quiet, and I have no rest, but trouble comes. See, the Old Testaments and David knew the pain and absence of God, too. And still, I continue to feel the cavernous absence of God. Silence. It was like heaven's door was bolted. It's so true that it's like airplane mode. And when I laid my questions before God, I got no answer. God's absence was like the sky. And it spread over everything. And then doubt began to sneak in. Sneaky doubt. So I began to doubt everything that I had previously believed. Why was God not there? I felt that I was falling into an abyss of doubting of my entire life's belief system. Maybe God wasn't real after all. Maybe the agnostics are the atheists, and I could never tell the difference between the two. Could, you know, could never have them straight. Maybe they were right. Maybe Jesus wasn't real. 
maybe the Holy Spirit's not real. These were terrifying thoughts for a lifelong Christian, but I thought them. <clears throat> I shared with my spiritual sisters here, I mean, Kim's in the, in the pew, Fran, Rhonda, many, many, my, my doubts, but I was angry and I was resentful and I was bitter and I was empty. My mother was aware because occasionally I, when we were together, I would tell her and she would, she would listen to me and I know she prayed for me and it would spill out in the oddest of places. For example, after intercessory prayer, I shared and Amy listened and, um, she knew that I was having a hard time with my grief, and she continued to pray for me. And um, I was floundering. This was my dark night of the soul. And then I contacted Jim Gill, and Jim agreed to meet with me, and I knew that he would help because he loved Pat as much or more than I did. In fact, everyone loved Pat because Pat was everyone's best friend. And we shared, and he listened. And Jim said that he he's told me two great things. He said, first of all... Um, Life is terminal, and all of us die. And second, he said, Jesus will not let us go. That even though I may let go, he will not let go. And that, that we can have confidence that Jesus has not let me go. And I shared with Jim that my verse, uh, my daily verse was, I believe, help my unbelief. And I literally said that verse as I woke up and as I went to bed. I believe, help my unbelief because I was, it was absolutely silent. I didn't like the absence, and so I thought to myself after contacting Jim, how, how can I get reunited? So I started listening to um, sacred music again instead of scrolling through social media at night, and, which is how, that's a wise thing forever. And I, started, um, and I started listing all the things when God was present in my life. So I just started list, listing all the things that God, when he was present, and... These are not coincidences. This is real. So I still felt abandoned and left out. And so after meeting with Jim, I had lunch with another prayer warrior, a friend of mine, and she listened, and she suggested that I try to go on something called a prayer journey. <clears throat> I, had I had done something similar before at the Cynical with Pat, and so I was willing to do it. What you do is you sit and you're with an intercessor prayer who's with you and you try to recall a time that God was with you. And, um, and so I did that. And this is the, the part that, that God gave. Several years ago, I'd had a conversation with a young adult and, as to why he did not believe in Jesus. And he said that there was a lot of chaos in his family when he was growing up and that he had been to Sunday school and even vacation Bible School. He liked going to vacation Bible school, but that his family was chaotic and his father was verbally abusive and there was constant financial strain. And one night he decided he was going to take Jesus at his word, the ask and you shall receive verse, and that he was going to ask God to put a pot of money under his pillow. Now, mind you, this is a little seven-year-old boy, but he asked that in full faith. He's going to put a pot of money under his pillow. And so he went to bed eagerly, and he, he woke up. He thought it was going to be happily ever after. He was so earnest, and he went to bed. He thought he was going to stop the family chaos, and there was no money. There was no pot of gold. And at that point, he said he stopped believing, and he stopped going to church. I was speechless. 
because when I heard it, I asked him if he told his mother, and he said no. And I was like, I wish that he had told his mother because his mother would have scooped up that seven-year-old boy and held him and patted his head and, and there, 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 you don't have to worry about money. Your mom and dad are going to take care of you. You're going to be fine. You don't have to worry about that. God is not Santa Claus, and God is not the tooth fairy, and God is not a magician. And even though that, that young man is now an adult, I wanted to scoop him up as an adult and, and pat his head and tell him, there, there, it's okay. And just like that, in that vision, God scooped me up, and I was seven years old. And he held me in his lap, and he, and he patted my head, and he said, you're okay. I love you, and I'm here. And my resentments vanished, and I lost my questions. So no, God is not a magician, and I did not get any answers, but he gave me much more. He gave me his presence. I'll never understand. I did not, I did not want to embrace and wrestle God. No one does. I would say that I wrestled with him like instead of Jacob had a, a hip, I have a shattered shoulder, so my, I'm going to account my shoulder as my wrestling with God. I'm stronger and wiser for it. I've come to realize that just because we have no answers doesn't mean that there are no answers. All of our questions are not answered, but God is real, and his presence came to me in the, in, the, in the prayer of scooping me up and comforting me as a young child, and that was enough. I don't know how or why, but I know that I know that I know that my Redeemer liveth. And one day... He shall stand. And oh, one more thing. At the end of my vision, uh, my prayer journey, um, God gave me a song. And I'm very much like Jeff in that way. And that music really ministers to me. And it was interesting because it was the Beatles song, The Long and Winding Road. So if those of you that are my age will remember that song, The Long and Winding Road. Anyway, <clears throat> so if you listen, I, I knew the first verse, but I didn't know all of it. So I'm gonna, I went home and got the lyrics, and I just have to share this with you real quick. Um, the long and winding, so think of the Beatles song. The long and winding road that leads me to your door will never disappear. I've seen that road before. It always leads me here, lead me to your door. The wild and windy night that the rain washed away has left a pool of tears crying for the day. Why leave me standing here? Let me know the way. Many times I've been alone and many times I've cried the way you'll never know the many times I've tried. And still they lead me back to the long and winding road. You left me standing here a long time ago. Don't leave me standing here. Lead me to your door. And Jesus is that door. And the long, dark night of the soul led me back to him even better. And so, God, my God, you are a mysterious mystery. And at times you are unknowable and unfathomable. And yet you put up with my temper tantrums and my lethal doubt. And you never let go. Thank you for scooping me up and loving me tenderly and giving me your presence. You are enough. You are God. I am not. Thank goodness. Thank you, Jim.
Robert, would you uh, skip forward four slides to uh, the scripture, may God himself, the God of peace? There we go. Nope, that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is the thing, right? God, what, what God taught Jan is that our anger and our distancing is okay. Like any healthy relationship, we want to be able to express emotion to one another. And God wants our honesty and our authenticity. But God doesn't leave us there. In his love and grace, he continually draws us back to him, as he did with Jan. Paul writes, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. The one who calls you is faithful. He will do it. And that really is the testimony, right, that Jan shared today, is God's faithfulness. God's objective in response to our anger and distancing is not to punish us, but to continue to increase our faith. The reason dark nights of the soul happen is sometimes it's the absence of God's presence that speaks to us. It's the absence of God's presence. Jan had had God's presence her whole life. And it's the absence of that presence that caused her faith to step up, right? She didn't have enough faith to handle Pat's death, who would, the way that happened. And yet God was growing her faith in that way. Um, And I love how Paul expresses that process. It's God who sanctifies us, which means he's making us more like Jesus. And of course, when our faith increases, we're becoming more like Jesus. So God was actually sanctifying Jan during the dark night of her soul, right? Even though she felt he was not present, he was always present with her. And so I love how Paul expresses it. He sanctifies us. He's the one calling us, and he is faithful. He will accomplish it, right? This whole verse is about God's action, And if that is so, then I love this other part of the verse. What does it mean for us to have mature faith, right? When our faith grows as it grows, what does that look like? And Paul writes in verse 16, 17, 18, he says, We should rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, not for all circumstances, but in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is what it looks like when, when our faith is strong, and as we get stronger and stronger, the more we will be able to embody this verse within our life, even during hardship and grief like Jan faced. And so how do we live this way in a sin-drenched world? We're, we are able to live this way when our faith is strong enough that we no longer go full airplane mode on God. In other words, there are times when as our faith increases and whatever Pat's death might be to you in life, when that happens, our faith is getting stronger and stronger that at some point we don't have to walk away from God, right? Because our faith is now adequate for even that tragedy, whatever it may be. For what is necessary to give thanks in all circumstances is constant ongoing connection with Jesus, right? Our airplane mode has to be off. We have to be in constant connection with Jesus. When our connection with Jesus is mature and strong and consistent, we trust him enough to be able to rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. 
So the next time something happens that causes you to feel so much disgust and anger that it makes you want to sue God, and you are tempted to engage the spiritual airplane mode, it's okay. God's grace in Jesus Christ is robust. Your faith is what it is. And if it's not strong enough to handle whatever that is, that's okay. Even when we do that, God is with us and he wants relationship with us that's authentic. Even when we're spitting mad at him, right? But at the same time, know this, God is not finished with us yet. God wants to continually grow our faith that it might be adequate for whatever sorrows and injustices this world will throw at us. That is God's goal. And he, the one who calls us, is faithful. He will do it, just like he did for Jan. He will do it for us. And so may we trust in him. And may we allow him, even if it's a dark night of the soul, may we trust him enough to know he is growing our faith. He has not abandoned us. He is with us always, even to the end of the age. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.